Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hey, welcome in. We're going to spend the next 48 minutes talking about real-life questions about this changing workplace. Questions like, Dan, I have over $200,000 in student loan debt, and I hate my job. Ouch. Should a man consider getting rid of facial hair to eliminate a possible negative impression? Interesting question. I've got some interesting information for you about facial hair. And incidentally, our sponsor today is Harry's Razors. So we got a legitimate tie-in there. We'll talk about that. Should you use a razor in the morning or just uh, let that stubble grow? Well, it makes a difference in how people view you. We'll talk about it. Somebody says, I'm writing this today, two months after transitioning to part-time, and I'm a changed man. I found hope again. And we got an update from Joshua Kemp, one of our listeners who is homeschooled, now making $70,000 and more as a software developer. Got some cool things he's added into what he's doing. I'm going to tell you about 10 companies that no longer require a degree. Now, I mentioned this last week, how that's changing. I mean, really dramatically changing. So I'm going to tell you about 10 companies that may surprise you no longer require a college degree. They've just taken it out of their basic requirements. Well, our quotation today comes from Carl Jung. Carl was a psychoanalyst, contemporary of Sigmund Freud. So I'm one of those oldies there, but somebody whose work I've always admired. And he said, I am not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. Great quotation, great thought for us as we go into this today. Not determined by our circumstances. We are, in fact, what we choose to become. Okay, now I'm going to play my little piece of a little promo for Harry's here. And then we got a question that relates right directly to this. Well, you know, I'm pretty particular about how I start my day. In fact, one of my most popular books is The Rudder of the Day, because I believe that first hour of the day sets the stage for what our day is going to be like. Part of my starting the day is grabbing that orange handle on my Harry's razor to get a clean, close shave. Now, I know some of you like stubble, and it's kind of cool to have a beard and all that. Boy, not me. I want to be fresh, clean, shaven, ready to start the day. It makes me feel more confident and ready to go. Hey, we got a special offer right now. Harry's is so confident in the quality of their blades. They'll send you the popular free trial set, which comes with a razor, a five blade cartridge and shaving gel. All that's free when you sign up for a shave plan, just pay shipping. Plus there's a special offer for fans of 48 days. Get a bottle of Harry's post shave balm added to your order for free. When you visit harrys.com slash 48 days. So go to harrys.com slash 48 days right now to claim your free trial set and post shave bomb. That's harrys.com slash 48 days. All right. So you know how I start my day every single day of the year with my Harry's razor to be clean shaven. Now there's some reasons for that. I'll share with you a little bit more here as I unpack this, but I got a question from Kent Sanders and Kent says, 
Dan, I've noticed that the vast majority of successful male speakers, coaches, writers, business people, and influencers have one thing in common. They are almost always clean shaven. I've heard that in the business world, a beard or other versions of facial hair, like a goatee or mustache, give the impression that the person has something to hide or is untrustworthy in some way. Obviously, this isn't universally true. For instance, Dave Ramsey's facial hair hasn't seemed to hinder his success. But overall, is there any merit to this idea? In a culture where many men have beards these days, should a man consider getting rid of facial hair to eliminate a possible negative impression? Or is there sometimes the reverse principle? Well-groomed facial hair can help a younger or baby-faced man look more distinguished and experienced. Well, Ken, thanks for your question. Golly, this is one of those, and this really has application as we're talking about work because it does have a big impact on how people view you. Now, unfortunately, there's not a one-size-fits-all kind of answer to this, but I'm going to give you some things that are real clear trends regarding facial hair. A beard is a sign of active testosterone in the body, and human brains recognize that as coming with the potential for more aggression. As a result, men with beards are often seen as more angry, aggressive, or dominant, even if their personality is none of those traits. Forget anyone who tells you that beards are 100% guaranteed to be an alpha male lady killer. That's another issue. Also forget anyone who says they're an automatic job loser and an impossible to pair with a business suit. Now, what I've done here is I've just pulled some notes. These are not all my original comments, but just some notes that are really clear out there as to how it is viewed. Here's the basic breakdown. When you have distinctive facial hair, anything visible, even stubble, these are the traits people tend to associate with you. Aggression and dominance, maturity. A clean-shaven man, on the other hand, is associated more with the following traits. Sociability, cleanliness, health. Well, <laughs> well, beards are associated with dominance, power, and maturity. On the flip side of the coin, that kind of masculine image can make people feel a little intimidated. One study found that bearded men are also perceived as 38% less generous, 36% less caring, and 51% less cheerful than their clean-shaven brethren. Um, perhaps the most interesting was a study that asked participants to rate both pictures of men and guess their occupation. Bearded men were rated as unconventional, but also as good and were associated with less conservative careers like college professor and artist, while clean-shaven men were associated with jobs like lawyer, bank clerk, politician. Okay. Now, here's the deal. There is, there's obviously a risk. Can you do it? Will I defend your right to have a beard? Absolutely. Is there a potential downside risk if you're applying for jobs? Yes, there is. It's just that simple. So it depends. You know, if, if you're an entrepreneur, you own your own business, and you have a landscaping business, and you want to have a beard, it's not going to affect your success a whole lot. But if you're going out into the job market and you're applying for jobs, you know, at the bank or a real estate company or can, even construction, something like that, it's going to potentially be a little risk for you. 
So you have to just decide what is it that you want to accomplish. Now, here's the deal. Is it a lady killer? You know, do, do beards, do women find beards more attractive? Studies have indicated that women find facial hair stubble the most attractive look when it comes to facial hair. One study went a step further, separating light stubble from heavy stubble, at which point women found heavy stubble the most attractive and light stubble the least, or that, you know, peach fuzz kind of stuff, the least attractive. So unsurprisingly, women found men with facial hair more masculine than men without. Um, Likely tied to the idea that greater masculinity equals better provider, women rated men with full beards as more likely to have good parenting skills. Interesting. Clean-shaven, full-bearded men were rated higher on personal cleanliness than men with stubble of any length. So we got all kinds of variation. Clean-shaven, a little stubble, peach fuzz, which I really find uh, not not appealing. Just kind of little limp stuff there. If it's going to be stubble, you know, have it be a manly kind of stubble that only a few guys can grow. I have never had a beard or a mustache or sideburns. Now, that, that has more to do with my body chemistry than it does my personal likes or ha- trying to make a stance on something. I just don't grow a good beard. It's very spotty. It would be ridiculous for me to do that. Now, if I had a real rich, full, dark beard if it, when it came in, I'm sure I would have experimented with it along the way but bottom line here kent yeah if you're going to be a motivational speaker as an example i would say absolutely do not have a beard i just think there's not any reason for the potential risk of having somebody judge you inappropriately you know by by having a beard I I just don't think there's any upside to it. I don't think it adds anything, and I think there's a potential downside. So that's how I look at at most things. If there's not an upside, then why would you do it? Okay, I'm I'm sure you all have comments on that. Go ahead. I'd I'd be delighted to share some. You'll give me all kinds of examples about people who are successful one side or the other of that coin, and that's fine. Again, there's not a cookie-cutter answer at all. You have to make the decision. I know that for me, Joanne hates beards and mustaches she comments frequently after all these years of marriage when she sees somebody out in public she's like oh geez i can't imagine you know snuggling up to that guy or kissing that guy and then she'll see somebody you know with food all strangled down in his beard when he's sitting there and she's thinking oh how disgusting is that so hey i don't have a chance it, it in my with my body chemistry and my wife Not a chance you're ever going to see me with a mustache or a beard. Not going to happen. Okay, let's move on. Colby sent me a note, really nice note. He said, this is a story of how the 48 Days Ultimate Advantage cruise changed my life. I want to to read this, not just to promote the cruise, although we do have a cruise coming up in February of 2017, another one. We do these every two years. Here's just one example, but it really speaks to how he took action. Colby says, in 2014, my dad approached me about going with him on a cruise scheduled for February 2015. All I knew was it was a group of entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs he was involved with. Of course, I accepted his offer based purely on spending a week with him on a cruise. At the time, I was 28 years old, two kids and a wife, working my life way to fulfill my dadly duties 
of bringing home the weekly paycheck. When my son was born, I was 20 years old. I felt that my only option was to take the highest paying job I could get. So at 21, I took a job driving truck for FedEx. Along the way, they discovered I had a knack for fixing trucks and managing employees. So at the time of the cruise, I was handling the maintenance program of over 30 trucks, as well as helping the owner manage the drivers. I'd made myself into a valuable asset to the company and was my contractor's highest paid employee. The only problem was I was growing more and more miserable with each 60-hour work week. The ultimate advantage cruise planted a seed of hope in my soul. I came home and began diving into the 48 Days materials, podcast, any of your materials I could get my hands on. Took a long look at myself, realized I didn't like the person I was becoming. My marriage was struggling. I didn't have enough time with my kids. and I was working myself to the bone just to scrape by. I felt like I was stuck on a hamster wheel trying so hard to get ahead, but the faster I ran, the faster the wheel spun. I knew something had to change. Motivated by your teachings, I started peeling back the layers of onion that made up who I was. I looked at the things I had an act for, the things that made me happy, and the things that didn't. One of the things I decided I had an act for was woodworking. I'd been building home decor, shelving, and small furniture pieces as a hobby for a few years and really enjoyed it. It was a great outlet for my creative side, as well as satisfying my desire to work with my hands. I love to take a pile of what most people looked at as junk and turn it into something beautiful and useful. So in March of this year, I officially started Ranchwood Home, LLC, still working full-time at FedEx, but I spend most of my remaining free time in my garage diligently building my side hustle. Now, after several painful conversations with my boss at FedEx, I convinced them to create a part-time position specifically for me. I'm writing this today, two months after transitioning to part-time, and I'm a changed man. I found hope again. Ranchwood Home is still in its infancy, and I'm currently still employed at FedEx. So I wouldn't label myself a success story just yet, but I'm incredibly excited about the future. My company is gaining traction And I have begun to carve out my niche as an expert in my space. I have big plans and feel more empowered than ever. And Colby ends with this. He says, to anyone out there feeling like you're stuck in the hamster wheel and growing frustrated, I will say this, pick something, anything that you would find profit and fulfillment in. Form a plan and take action. Quit succumbing to excuses. And after every step toward your goal, you will feel a new energy to tackle the next step. Thanks, Dan, for all you do. I absolutely can't wait for the Ultimate Advantage Cruise coming up in February 2017. Until this, all the best to you and your family. Well, thanks, Colby, for that newsy update and for just outlining how you have taken action. You know, these things don't take place overnight. It's not instant. But like Colby, if you just hear some things, see some people, meet some people who have fresh, big ideas, wow, read some content, I mean, any of those things can inspire you to take action and make your life better. And over a period of time, you can make it exactly what you want it to be. Now, here's here's another one. I got several of these here, these success stories. I'm going to spend a little time on these. Not sure how much we'll get beyond that today. This comes from Daniel Herberger. Now, he says, hi, Dan, this is Daniel, your biggest fan from Guatemala. You've heard me mention him before. He came up here one time. He wanted to apply for a position with the Ramsey organization, and he wanted to really make an impression. So he wanted to spend an entire week here. Contacted me as a podcast listener. We allowed him to stay here at the sanctuary for that period of time while he made his repeated uh, contacts with them. Had a great um, connection there. 
I never really finalized a position with them, but the contact and just being exposed to new ideas allowed him to really expand on some things that he's doing in Guatemala. He said, and he says, I'm emailing you to share with you that this week I launched my very first online course. It's a course focused on helping Spanish speaking people take control of their money in order to live out their dreams and not wait for retirement to do that. Here's the link. Wow. Oh my gosh. It's one of these long links. I'm going to have to put it in the, put it in the show notes, but it's a link to help Spanish speak speaking people take control of their money. He says, uh, I've had five people sign up already in less than one week. Thank you for impacting my life every week. And he says, by the way, now this relates to another sponsor that we have regularly here. We ordered a mattress from mattress firm and have deep regrets. We recently went to West Elm to try the Casper mattress and we loved it. You were right. Please, people, listen to Dan's advice on the Casper mattress. We will return ours and buy the Casper. Now, incidentally, I've got a note here from Jeff Long. Okay, Jeff Long has been, there's a lot of people, I wanted to stick this in here because Daniel's talking about having created his first online course. Jeff Long says, since many of you want to create online courses, you know that making effective videos is crucial to your success. But you may think creating videos is too complicated, costly, or you don't want to get in front of the camera. Uh, Jeff has been producing videos professionally since 2003 and has a three-part video series that's free on how to create effective videos in half the time, even if you use an iPhone. You can also use these strategies to create better sales videos, Facebook Live videos, and more. You can go to easyvideo4courses.com and get Jeff's three lessons for free. Now, Jeff's part of my mastermind. I know Jeff very well. This is quality stuff. And he's also uh, running a contest with $800 in prizes to help you make your website, courses, and videos. But you can go access these three videos. I already opened it up. Um, I'll be going through those later today, but go to easyvideo4courses.com and you can see those videos to help you do better videos than what you might have been doing at this point. Now, Joshua Kemp has written to us multiple times over the years. Back, ew, this would have been like, wow, you know what? I think it was three, okay, three years ago, three years ago. He wrote, and he was a farrier. Now, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago again. He was a farrier, which is a fancy word for blacksmith. But he says, I just wanted to drop you a line. Now, this came in. Uh, I've had multiple correspondence with him just in the period of time since the last podcast. So just in the last week here. He says, Dan, I was the blacksmith who learned how to program computers after getting kicked by a horse and injured badly. While I was trying to break into the tech field, I listened to your podcast every week. Your podcast encouraged me to learn real-world marketable skills that would allow me to land a fast-paying job. That was three years ago. Now, what he did in that period of time, as I recall, he spent like 21 hours a week for seven months just in his off time learning software development, just learned on his own. He says, after I landed the tech job making $70,000 a year, I received many emails from people wanting to know how I did it, so I wrote a book. Now, we, we mentioned it on here and had a whole lot of listeners who wanted to contact Josh, and he's very open about that. I just connected with him directly. 
So he wrote a book. The book did very well, he said. Soon after publishing it on Amazon, one of your podcast listeners reached out to me about making an audio version of the book. The audio version is done extremely well. It's amazing what can happen if you take action and go for your dreams. Now, now check this out. So here's a guy who was a blacksmith, taught himself software development. And he says, recently I was listening to your podcast. You were mentioning how online courses were even more profitable than writing a book. I decided to listen to your advice yet again and spent the next month working nights and weekends. I created my own online course to show others how to land a tech job quickly. And your advice was spot on again. My course already has had 10 people sign up in the first couple of weeks, each paying $197. Now you do the math on that. That's, um, what another couple thousand bucks. Absolutely. I just wanted to say thank you for your real world practical advice, wisdom, and encouragement that I receive through listening to your podcast. Also, I'm not allowed to say exactly how much I make currently at IBM. Suffice it to say it is more than when I first got hired. When he first got hired, it was 70,000. In fact, my boss had to write a special letter to justify hiring me since I didn't have a degree. The position called for seven years of experience and a four-year computer science degree, which I did not have. It just goes to show that passion, real-world skills, and experience can open many unexpected doors. I just wanted to encourage your listeners that your advice truly works. If they will take action, never give up, and don't get discouraged along the journey toward the dream. Here's my course, Dan. If you want to see what I made, and I did check it out, it's the fastest way to land a tech job teachable.com. Again, I guess I need to put that into show notes, but it's the fastest way to land a tech job teachable.com. That's his $197 course that teaches people how to get a tech job even without a college degree. Now, I need to go back up here because I shot a note to Joshua and I said, hey, tell me a little bit more. You know, when you got your software development skills, did you take college courses? Did you, you know, go to college? You know, what did you do? Okay. And he says, Dan, homeschooled all the way through high school, never set foot in a college. I just looked at what programming language was most in demand at the time because that meant someone with less experience could get in easier. I then looked at which programming language was easiest to learn. Some are much harder than others. I took a free college course from Berkeley for programming through EDX. The thing that helped the most was marketing myself by speaking at local programming meetup groups. A company heard me speak, found my blog and invited me to coffee. Coffee turned into an informal interview And then from there, I ended up beating out someone else who had a degree and six years of experience. And the only reason I am told was my passion and enthusiasm for learning and getting better. I made my own basic web application to show off the potential employers, which helped to show my skills. Got another note from him and he did tell me what he's making and in respect for him and his, he's not supposed to tell. Yes, he is making significantly more than the $70,000 that he got when he first got into that. He's also doing some, I make money from installing water fountains too. I started this March and have made around $4,000 so far this year. So he's selling water fountains. He's installing water fountains. 
He's created an online course. He's created an ebook, and he has, um, you know, a job that pays him extremely well. And now he's asking me about flipping cars. He'd like to do that. Obviously, somebody who's not used to sitting at home on his hands. Somebody who's out here making it happen. Now, I wanna I wanna expand on this a little bit because last week I talked about the fact that Ernst and Young, you know, this uh, fancy schmancy you know, accounting firm has decided they no longer require a college degree as part of their job application. And they're one of many. There's a whole lot of companies that are saying they are no longer going to require degrees. I want to give you 10. It's easy to find. The list is growing daily. But there's 10 companies that I wanted to run by you that don't have a degree requirement for applicants. Because, I mean, everybody knows success in the workplace is no longer defined by a diploma. And we look at the kind of workplace that we have, the kind of informal work structure that we have. I mean, think about the companies that we have that are just growing by leaps and bounds. Companies like Apple and Google, companies like that, uh, Twitter, you know, where, where they didn't even exist. I mean, a lot of the technology they're using didn't exist three or four years ago. I mean, how could they put value on a degree that you may have gotten 10 years ago as having application in what they're doing now? It just doesn't. So what they're looking at is what have you done in the last six months? What are those unique skills that you bring to the table? So these companies are looking, you know, they're, they're thinking outside of the box, obviously, by hiring people that know how to think, know how to solve problems. And that may not be connected to having a college degree. They're seeing that, that in their pool of talent, that work and life skills they're looking for can be found not only in college graduates, but also in every smart and hardworking individual out there. People like Joshua Kemp, that's what they're looking for. And so he gets a job. I mean, he's working with IBM. I mean, talk about an old conservative standard study kind of company. That's the company. Do they still have it as a requirement to have a college degree? Yeah, they do. And what happened in Joshua's case, they violated their own requirement because they were so impressed by his enthusiasm and the things that he's done. There you go. That's how it works. Well, here's some companies that have announced they no longer require a college degree. Number one is Google. Number two, Ernst & Young. I mentioned them last week. Penguin Random House. Now think about that. Here we've got an industry that Penguin Random House and I did um, no more dreaded Mondays with them. They're the largest book publisher in the world. Now here's an industry that involves education and literature. So this seems like kind of a bold move, but it's also, I think encouraging to all of us as the company aims to give every applicant the opportunity to demonstrate their potential creativity, strength, and ideas, regardless of their background. That, that's a direct quotation from their site. I want to read that again. They want to give every applicant the opportunity to demonstrate their potential creativity, strengths, and ideas, regardless of their background. So the human resource director at Penguin Random House says, this is a starting point for our concerted action to make publishing far or far more inclusive than it has been up to date. 
We believe that this is critical to our future to publish the best books that appeal to readers everywhere. We need to have people from different backgrounds with different perspectives and a workforce that truly reflects today's society. That's a very nice way of saying if you're homeschooled and you have a high school degree, we'll consider you if you really show that you bring unique value to our company. All right, number four in this list of 10 companies that no longer require degrees, Costco. Probably not surprising, but you know, you meet some really cool people who work at Costco. I mean, their starting pay is like fifteen to eighteen dollars an hour, and they very quickly can become involved in company stock investments, management, those kind of things. Same thing is true for number five, Whole Foods. I mean, they Whole Foods. Now, you know, check it out. And I rely on Whole Foods. When I had some health issues last year, I thought I was experiencing burnout. I thought, good grief, what's up with this? You know, I'm doing work that I love. How, what, why would I have the symptoms of burnout? Well, I addressed some health concerns, some health issues, worked with not only my physician, but also with Dr. Phil Carson, who's in my mastermind, an amazing pharmacist, but really a nutritionist. But I also depended on the kids at Whole Foods to give me a whole lot of useful information about things that I changed to get back on top, like I am today, feeling like a million bucks. Whole Foods, they call their employees team members, and they take pride in being named as Fortune Magazine's 100 best companies to work for every single year since the list was started. They're in that list. Don't require a college degree. Number six, Publix, supermarkets. And I know a, a gentleman who was a um, airline pilot and um, got laid off, decided to not try to go back or find another position and um, did some entrepreneurial things, but ultimately ended up working at Publix, worked his way up, loves what he's doing there, doing a great job. Number seven is Apple. Again, a company that's innovative out there in the edge. We would expect that. Number eight is Starbucks. Number nine is Nordstrom. Number 10 is Home Depot. I mean, Home Depot, I mentioned that last week as well. I think that they have a permanent sign in front of the one that we have here in Franklin, Tennessee. You know, it's like, if you're 16 years old and breathe, we want to talk to you. One of their main tenets is to have, quote, quote, greater diversity in their people. Uh, okay, even though most of the jobs at Home Depot are part-time, they provide benefits for part-time employees. Sales associates start at $11 an hour, but the store managers earn roughly $86,000 annually. All right, now we're going to move on from that, but I'll tell you what I want to do. Well, you know, I, I talked about so many people in there. I do want to bring this up. I'll bring up our little clip here just to end our segment on We Are the Champions. But we got a, we got a, so many people that are, are writing to me about stories that you've got. And I love hearing these. You know, we've had people suggesting that I do a podcast that would be nothing but success stories. So here I am 31 minutes into today's podcast. And we're still in that section. So I hope that's enjoyable, inspiring, and encouraging. Well, we want to continue to include those, probably not that much, but I wanted to expand today's section to talk a little bit more about this idea that we're seeing a lot of people who are having astounding success who do not have a college degree as part of that process. Now, last week, okay, well, let me do this as well. I want to 
Talk about my friends at Pay. Hey, if you know me, you know I love real estate. You know, the stock market can be pretty difficult to understand and quite candidly frightening. That's why I want you to call my friends at Pax Financial Group. They want your money to grow, but they will only take risk to the degree you're comfortable. You can be conservative or you can be aggressive and you can use real estate or antique cars or Buffalo nickels if you want to. They'll help you create an individual plan to grow your wealth. I think you really enjoy working with Pax Financial Group. They have the heart of a teacher and don't have that Wall Street yuppity feel. Call Pax Financial Group at 210-881-5700 or visit their website at paxfinancialgroup.com. Now here's an additional gift for you. They have an ebook titled 10 Effective Strategies to Build a Money Legacy Within Your Grandchildren. It's really great. Just go to paxfinancialgroup.com slash 48 days again to get your free ebook, 10 Effective Strategies to Build a Money Legacy Within Your Grandchildren. paxfinancialgroup.com slash 48 days. All right. Now, last week we had a question from Andrew that said, who talked about, you know, he had recently earned his MBA in management, but he felt like he was overeducated and he was not getting job opportunities. Now I want to frame this because we've talked a lot today already about the idea of enthusiasm and passion, do a whole lot more to open doors than perhaps even traditional degrees. Now I want to be careful in how I frame this because you know, I, I have traditional degrees. I mean, I have a traditional degree from the Ohio State University in clinical psychology, and then my master's degree in clinical psychology from Western Kentucky University, and then I did all my doctor work through Oxford, um, now where I went back and forth to England. Now, that's another story because I decided rather than, I, I finished all the coursework, but instead of doing the dissertation that was required to get my DPhil, my doctoral degree, I elected to use that time and wrote 48 Days to the Working Love. Very different process, not a scholarly piece written at about a seventh grade reading level instead, but it's given me the privilege of connecting with a whole lot of people and made me, frankly, a whole lot more money than having that piece of paper to hang in my wall would have. So I, I'm not opposed to degrees at all, but we run into these things that people are confronted with, feeling like they're overeducated and all of that. When I was getting degrees, I never pursued a degree as part of a career path. That was not what I was doing. I was pursuing a degree because I enjoyed the process of study and it was adding to my personal development. So my studies of psychology had to do with my own desire to understand how we're wired, how we work, and a lot of integrating our, my theological background being raised in a very conservative Christian home, I wanted to see, can I really figure this thing out and make sense from it without having to turn my brain off? Do I have to choose between having faith or having intellect? Well, fortunately, you don't have to choose. I love the integration, but frankly, my studies were all the way through. I mean, my doctoral studies were in religion and society, but my studies all the way through had to do with my own personal growth way more than it had to do with any connection with any kind of a degree. Okay. Now the here's a quotation and I'm going to just go on from here. This comes from Fats Domino. It has been around for a long time. Fats Domino, of course, a great musician years ago. He says a lot of fellows nowadays have a BA, an MD or a PhD. Unfortunately, they don't have a job. Well, that's pretty applicable today. I see that a lot. I want to play us a clip here from Amy. 
And um, without much setup, I just want to play it. And then I have another, well, I have another piece of information that I want to add on to that. But listen to Amy's situation regarding her degrees and where she is currently. Hi, Dan. My name is Amy. I want to thank you so much for everything you do for the 48days.net community. My question for you today is concerning student loan. I currently have over $200,000 in student loan debt, and I have a PharmD and um, working as a pharmacist. I make about $100,000, which is the um, average income for a pharmacist. My caveat is that I will... I have an Amazon business that's also generating a really good income. I have I make about $15,000 a month in revenue, which equates to about $7,500 in profit. So with this amount, I know that um, it's not this exactly how much I make as a pharmacist, but I know that I if I focus on this business, I will either be able to grow it and um, generate more income, especially as the Q4 is approaching. So my question for you is, should I continue my nine to five job? Um, actually, it's not even nine to five. Sometimes I stand about 12 hours, 14 hours a day. I feel that it's um, taking a toll on my health and it, it's just um, not something that I want to and passionately want to do for the rest of my life. So I just um, would like to know what would you want, what, what would you do if you're in my situation? Thank you so much, and I look forward to hearing from you. Well, thank you, Amy, for your question. I've already communicated with Amy my response. My response was instantaneous. Think through the situation she describes. She is a pharmacist, very respected, academically trained, has her doctoral degree in pharmacy. So she's working in that, making $100,000 a year, has over $200,000 in student loan debt. But she's not happy with what she's doing. The long hours are wearing on her, and she really wouldn't like to be doing something else. At the same time, she's developed an on-the-side Amazon business. And just in her spare time, is already netting $7,500 a month. My encouragement is to make a change as quickly as possible. Here's why I say that. Again, this is not just to burn the bridges and walk away from something that's really proven and established. We don't want to kill the golden goose. But when you're making $100,000, doing something that you don't enjoy, putting in long hours, compromising your health as a young person already, that's too high a price to pay. And the really cool Second part of this is that, Amy, you already have the Amazon business up and running. You understand the model. That's the most important thing. The fact that you're making $7,500 a month net income already there is, is outstanding. But the really important issue is that you understand the model. And in an Amazon business, it's scalable. So let me give you an example. I worked with a, a couple one time who he was a carpet salesman so any kind of flooring he would sell well he was really miserable he it was just bored you know he's doing okay but he was just bored doing that and thought surely there's something more that i can do than this i'd like to be doing something you know more creative and innovative well in talking with him and his wife 
she described that she and her sister would drive up to Cincinnati every Monday morning and they bought merchandise from a Banana Republic liquidation outlet. So brand new merchandise, Banana Republic brand, but you know, last year's model, whatever, you know, the just things that were overruns. I mean, very common to have things that are liquidated like that, where you buy it for maybe 15 cents on the dollar. They were putting those things, just having fun with it. They were putting those things up on eBay and Amazon, the clothing, brand name clothing. And they found that it was very predictable. They could get three times their money. So they were careful buying it, but that meant they were going to sell something that had a price tag of $30 on it. They could maybe sell for 20, but it was actually only costing them four or $5. So that was the model that they were doing and they were just having fun. You know, they would invest, you know, $300. And so, you know, they'd make a thousand bucks doing that a week. I said, Oh my gosh, you know, there's your opportunity right there. Talking to her husband. I said, there's your opportunity. You've got the model. They already know exactly how it works. They know the predictable return. I said, just scale that up. Instead of spending $300 on a Monday morning, spend a thousand and you turn that thousand dollars into 3000. That's exactly what they did. He quit his job. They turned their garage into a product fulfillment area. They included their kids. Their kids had a lot of fun helping them package up and send things. And that's what they did. Just that one thing. It wasn't complicated. They did just that one thing, but scaled it up to immediately reach the kind of goal that he had for himself. The opportunity was right there. And Amy, I think, I think you're sitting right on top of that there. Don't feel bad about not using the degree that you have. When I got my master's in clinical psychology, we moved from Bowling Green, Kentucky to Anaheim, California. I joined an established therapist at the Center for Human Understanding. How's that for a grandiose name for a a caring center? Center for Human Understanding. I I thought that was really cool. And I went in there, you know, all full of vim and vinger. I mean, three months later, I was ready to pull my hair out. I was so tired of just listening to these spoiled brats talk about the challenges they had in their life. I thought, you got to be kidding me. I don't want to do this. I mean, I really got tired of that. I mean, literally three months. And I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. And Joanne was like, you got to be kidding me. You know, we just struggled to put you through school to get your master's degree. You're not going to do this? Nah, I'm not going to do this. Joined a friend of mine. Jerry Hall, we're still dear friends with Jerry and Irene Hall, joined a friend of him in his car business. Little used car lot right on Catella Avenue, Anaheim, California, just three miles down the road from uh, Disneyland. I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved interacting with people and loved hanging around cars. I'd always been a car fan. And I quickly well, at the end of the first year, I probably made four times the money I would have ever dreamed of making as a therapist or counselor. It was extremely successful, and we went on to there some, from there to some really fun kind of things. Now, here's the deal. There were people who said during that period of time, you just got, I mean, family members, you just got a master's degree in clinical psychology, and now you're not using your degree? Oh, really? Now, think about that. Here's an example. In that first year of selling cars, 
had a young guy walk on the lot. Now, walking on the lot is a real indicator to anybody in, in the car business. You prejudge people instantly. Car salespeople are notorious for they prejudge. They take one glance at you and they decide, are you really a qualified candidate or not? Well, I didn't do that. Just nice young guy, just blue jeans and t-shirt, you know, and I just started talking to him. Well, gee, what kind of car would you really want? Well, he was really attracted to a Corvette. I thought, oh my gosh, you know, probably the most expensive car I had on the lot. Now, this is a long time ago. I'm going to tell you how much the Corvette was in a minute because it sticks absolutely clearly in my mind because of what happened. Yeah, he really liked that. And I said, well, would you like to drive it? Yeah. We went for a ride in that Corvette. Came back. Again, this kid was probably 22, 23 years old. He said, well, I really like that. I said, well, come on in. You know, we'll look at what it would take to put you in that. And I wrote it up. It was just one of those things. I didn't know any better. I just wrote it up. And I said, all right. It was $7,600, incidentally. $7,600 plus tax, license, and so on. And I said, well, if you were to get this, you know, how would you pay for it? He says, well, I'd just pay you for it. I said, what do you mean? He stood up, pulled up his shirt, and started pulling out stacks of $20 bills, laying them on my desk. He did, in fact, pay for that Corvette in cash that day. But because of the way I treated him, in the first year, I sold, when you include his immediate family, his extended family, cousins and all that, I sold 14 cars to that one family unit because I treated him with kindness and listened to him carefully. You think maybe that had something to do with the college degree, the master's in clinical psychology, where I'd learned to listen, listen, learn to repeat back? Well, sure it did. You can't separate out. When you have a degree, you don't ever not use it. It becomes part of who you are. It becomes part of your life experience. I've never regretted the degrees that I have. Not at all. Do I think that I use those directly? No, but I don't evaluate it like that. I don't look at what am I using directly. I look at who I am in totality based on my life experience. I mean, that's the only way I know how to look at my life is what's happening all the way through. Well, you know, I actually am having lunch today with Jim Cochran. Jim is the most knowledgeable guy in terms of Amazon business that I know of. I'm going to pick his brain. I'm going to come back next week and have more information for Amy about her Amazon business and about some of the new things that are happening in that arena. So look forward to that. I'll I'll put a link up to Jim's book, Silent Sales Machine. And he's got a course as well on how to make money on Amazon. I'm a big believer in that. I'm excited about the opportunities that I'm seeing people take advantage of. And Amy, you can still hold your head high having your degree as a pharmacist and move right into that may give you a unique edge in some area of an Amazon business that somebody else would not have. Usually we validate the academic background that somebody has as we move into something that even seems to be kind of a totally new direction. Well, fun stuff. Hey, shoot your questions into me. Just send them to askdan at 48days.com. Easiest way to shoot them in. 
Let me know what you're dealing with, what we can all discuss together, grow from together, increase our level of success together. Love this process. Thanks for being part of this audience. I really do appreciate you being part of the 48 Days audience and someone who I know is either finding or creating work that is purposeful, meaningful, and profitable. Have a great week. It's gonna take